Welcome everybody, SF Live, episode number 50. Wonderful, good morning. My name is Kai Hoffman. I'm the CEO of the Sword Financial Group. I'm extremely excited because 50 is a big milestone for us. We started this format early in March when the COVID crisis hit its peak and uh, it survived so far. Uh, we'll see how far it goes and we're really excited to have Paul Cronin with us today as a special guest. He's the Managing Director and CEO of Adriatic Metals. But before we get started, I really want to appreciate or really want to say thank you for following us for the last 50 episodes. We've been growing. Thank you. Thanks for the feedback we've been getting. It means a lot. So we'll truck on and we'll do another 50 episodes for you guys out there. Um, it is a format for the listeners, for the Fintwit community and everybody else watching us on YouTube and Spotify. Really appreciate your feedback. Now, you know the spiel. Use hashtag AskADT for your questions during our live stream. We'll switch over to Paul in just one second. Just a quick reminder, follow us here on Twitter, follow us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the alert button and you'll get alerts whenever we go live. Now, let me switch over to Mr. Paul Cronin. Paul, how are you doing today? And uh, please tell us where you're at. Hi, Kai. How are you? I'm uh, sitting here in sunny Sarajevo, which is not very sunny. Um, having spent uh, the last couple of weeks up on site, um, doing a bit of a, a, a border cross uh, to get uh, to get back in following the, the sort of relaxation of COVID restrictions over in this part of the world. And uh, t tell us about the process going over there. Like it's 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 interesting. Like it's not. I'm not used to it. And like I th I'm sure our listeners and viewers have no clue what happened. Ah, oh, look, I, it, was, it wasn't that bad actually. I um I, I flew to Belgrade, um, went to a, a doctor's clinic, got a COVID test. Um, fortunately, it came back negative, and I, I crossed the border the uh, the same day. Um, uh, in a car, so you know, really no problem at all. And I, you know, as I said, I've been in Barish uh, since uh, what the second of June. Um, uh, good to see all the people on site now. We've got a we've got a big team over there of guys. They've worked right through the whole COVID pandemic. Um, so I wanted to get over there and uh, thank everybody for their efforts. Oh, um, but there's also a lot to do, a lot to catch up on. No, exactly. And you've used the COVID downtime quite a bit and extensively to make an acquisition, but also, as you said, you, you explore it further. Um, let's talk about the Tethian acquisition first before we go dive into the sure. projects. And um, you, you, you mentioned before, it was discussed before, but I'd, I'd like to dive deeper on it. Like, why did you acquire Tethian? Obviously, it's a good opportunity um, and you, you got it for yeah. cheap. So give us some more details what you're seeing in the acquisition that the market might have missed over the last six, 12 months. Look, I think Tethian had always been trying to consolidate that Raska district, but they were missing two key parts of their license area. When they announced in late March that they'd done a deal uh, to acquire those, uh, Tethian was not going to have the funding <clears throat> to, to complete on that acquisition. Uh, and what we liked about it in particular was that they had this fantastic surrounding ground, which they drilled. And they got some some great results there, including um, pretty high grade silver. Um, but it reminded us a little bit of our projects in Bosnia, uh, where basically they are acquiring uh, an archive box uh, full of records that, for them, had been digitised. Um, but the key difference between what they are doing now and what we had done back in two thousand seventeen um, is that they have drilling results that are contiguous with that with that mineralization. Um, so the certainty of, of confirmation drilling was much higher. Um, and I guess we're a little bit opportunistic. Uh, we saw the potential to come in, look at the expansion plans for Adriatic 
um, and say, well, look, this is a good time to, to try and pick this asset up. We've done a lot of work on the resource. We've been talking to Tethian for several months uh, about their project and about our project. Uh, we've been talking to their major shareholder. Uh, and and uh, I think, you know, the moon's kind of aligned there. But what we saw was the potential to add significant precious metals to an old historical resource that once confirmed could then be expanded. Um, and if you look at the historical drilling, uh, you know, there's quite a long strike distance there, about 1.5 kilometres. Um, Tethian themselves have extended that further to the south. We also know anecdotally from old documents we've seen there's further mineralisation to the north, uh, including some pretty good grade gold um, in Sustachi. Uh, so we think that we are uh, going to be in a, in a position to put a jork resource on that out by the end of the year. Um, we've given Tethian the funding to do that. Uh, they are drilling like mad uh, at the moment. Um, uh, you know, we get a we get an update from the company on the drilling progress today. They're absolutely pounding through the meters. Um, really, really happy uh, with the visuals. Um, and I think you know things are a little slow over here in terms of getting a say results back in this part of the world at the moment. Um, uh, I think, you know, the ALS lab in Bore is, is run off their feet with drill core coming out of the Zinjin. But, um, uh, but I think when those results come out, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of chatter about it. And I think it'll justify the acquisition, quite frankly. No. Like, I really want to drill down. Like, they're 50 million market cap. You guys are 400 plus million market cap. Like, what would the market completely miss there? Like, it seems a massive disconnect. Obviously, they're TSX listed. You guys are ASX listed. Was that a factor? Uh, look, I don't really know why the market uh, didn't get it. I think, you know, Tethian had probably been trying to secure those additional licenses for, for, for a while and maybe there was a bit of investor disinterest. I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, but there was also a lot of water to go under the bridge on those assets. And, and we worked with Tethian on their confirmation program. Um, we applied our own insights from uh, you know, doing uh, as much drilling as required to to confirm as many holds as possible and get uh, a jaw compliant, uh, you know, resource. So um, I think the skills of the two companies and the personalities of the two companies are going to come together really well. I've met a lot of the Tethian team already when I was up in Belgrade. Um, uh, I think that the culture of the two organisations is going to gel perfectly. Uh, we're looking forward to Fabian uh, coming on, uh, Fabian Baker, the CEO of Tethian, coming on as, uh, in, a, in a corporate development capacity because uh, he has a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience in the Tethian Mineral Belt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Adriatic's strategy was always to bring our you know, high-grade, high-class uh, asset at Rupitsa into production and use the free cash flow from that to you know, conduct a very uh, aggressive expansion uh, strategy through the Balkans. Uh, and I think people like Fabian are going to be key to help us do that. Um, uh, and, you know, we probably didn't intend to make an acquisition as early as we did. But I think given the, you know, the, the pandemic and given the the caution in financial markets at the time, uh, it was the right time to do it. Um, and I think Tethian shareholders will, will enjoy uh, being uh, a part of a larger group uh, that's able to take those assets forward um, very, very aggressively.
I have yet to read a single negative word on the acquisition, so it obviously makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Finfwit community here uh, was, was fairly tame about it. They're happy they're playing the Tethian stock to get some exposure to Adriatic because the Tethian is listed on a TSX, so it makes it easier for them to access Adriatic. Um, but what are your plans moving forward? So it seems like the, the deal is done. Yes, it's, it's going to be voted on and everything, I'm assuming. But uh, it looks like a done deal. Uh, do you have a plan already what you're going to spend there, like what the exploration efforts are going to be and sort of budgets and stuff? Maybe getting ahead of myself yeah. here, but uh, on, I always like to think pragmatically. So. Yeah, on Kizabak and Sistachi, we'll spend $4 million um, Aussie dollars this year. Um, uh, so even with the million euros or the 1.6 million that we've advanced Tethian today, uh, Adriatic's expenditure for, for the uh, for the year is is still running under budget. Um, and that's largely because of COVID has forced us to find different ways of doing things. So for example, on our international ESIA and our um, pre-feasibility study, We've been using a lot of international consultants that are flying into the country, doing their work, taking it home, writing it up. Um, we've said, well, you can't fly in, uh, so we're going to hire some local guys uh, and we're going to get them to do the work. Um, and that in itself has had a huge impact on the company. We've now got a really good team in Bosnia, of Bosnians, who are really skilled. They're doing a great job. Um, they are, you know, they're obviously under the guidance of some of the sort of senior managers in Adriatic, um, and that's been remote for the last few months. Uh, but you know, our chief operating officer Graham Hills arrived in in Bosnia today. Uh, we're starting to see more of that team get back on the ground. Uh, but what we've now managed to do, we've we've expanded our staff in in Varish to forty seven. And that includes people who are in HR, um, engineers that are going to be working in procurement. Uh, we've got environmental technicians, uh, people working on social impact assessments, uh, geologists, uh, geological technicians. So it's a really quite expanding team. Um, and there's a lot of now different people that are interfacing into the local community here and into the government here. Uh, and the company is getting a truly Bosnian face to it, which is exactly what we want. You, you said you're growing your team, um, but also one key person left the team just just recently, and you, you announced that Milos left. And we've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter. That's um, about his person. Um, you, you you made a sure. made a, a statement in another interview um, that Milos is the only person in the company right now that can make those permits happen in the country. So um, how are you mitigating yeah. his departure, and yeah. like who, who's taking his place, and how confident are you still? To meet the timelines. I think I made that. Uh, I think I made that statement in in March. Um, I think it was mid-April, and it was a Crux Investor interview, which was actually really good. I like his stuff. So, just a shout out to Matt there. All right, um, thanks, Matt. Um, the when Milos Milos was the vendor of the assets. Um, so when he sold us those assets in the beginning of 2017, we didn't really know a way around Bosnia very well. We asked Milos to come in on a part-time basis and help us because he was working on other projects in in Montenegro, and he still had uh, other interests in Australia. Um, since that time, Milos has been instrumental in helping us navigate all of the government and social uh, issues that that we that every mining company has in a jurisdiction like this. Um, but over that time, and as we've expanded our team with with solid professionals here in Bosnia, the it's not a single man interface into government anymore. It's it's far more technical in terms of interfaces. 
and uh, and and Milos uh, at the age of 62 had been for some time uh, talking about what he wants to do for the for the rest of his life. Um, uh, and and we sort of said, well, look, now's the time to empower these young people that we've hired and trained, who are doing a great job, and let's let them get on with it. And I don't think that we're going to see any uh, issues with respect to our permits. We've had, uh, you know, I'm here in Sarajevo for, for meetings with government. Uh, I'm heading down to Mostar to meet with the Federal Ministry of Mines. Uh, Bosnia is a, you know, the government of Bosnia is very professional. Um, they want to get things done. Uh, I think Milos was, is quite a personality. Uh, he's a big personality. Um but at the end of the day, you know, we need people on board that understand in detail the local regulations and the local rules. Um, and those young people that we've hired recently who are now working in our, in our offices in Barish uh, are the principal points of contact with, with government on all of those technical issues. And, and that's really where we're at in terms of the phase of the project. As the market is concerned, obviously, Meters had a big package of shares, some bonus shares and stuff. Um, they're not going to hit the market. He left on good terms and everything. I think it's just that's I think I'm, I'm sensing some of the questions were in regard to that. He got a huge like he had a big share position. Right. So yeah. not that the share price is getting under pressure or anything like that. And I think trying to get that and, out of people's minds. And Miller still has a big share position. Um you know, he and I have talked in, in detail um, uh, over the past six months or so about what the major share price um, will be for the company. And, you know, one was the exportation. Um, we are very nearly there with that. Um, I think we announced the, the hardest bid is your environmental permit. We, uh, we received that last month. Um, uh, we have made our application for urban planning and we've had some some feedback from the, the Ministry for Spatial Planning. Uh, I think we've made our final submission on that uh, to them this afternoon. Uh, so they'll now be adjudicating that relatively shortly. And then we can go into our, um, our final exploitation application, which is largely just bringing all of those other licences and permits that we've received, and we've received plenty of them, um, and packaging them up and saying, right, here it is, having a public meeting and saying, right, this is what we're proposing to do. Now, this is where COVID comes back, unfortunately. Um, obviously, during COVID, you haven't been able to have public meetings. Um, uh, and uh, fortunately, the Bosnian government have relaxed those regulations, so we now can. Uh, so uh, I think once that urban planning um uh, permit is received and we've we've done urban planning permit applications before we know the process we know what's required uh then you know i think we'll move straight to a, a public hearing and, and that exploitation permit will be granted shortly after yeah and so you're still holding on to the timeline that you'll get your mining permit exploitation permit in 2020 oh absolutely yeah. um yeah i'm i'm still confident it's it's you know it probably won't quite be july now i mean we're we're now what the 17th of june and yeah. we need six weeks but i think we're talking you know we're talking august Fantastic. or thereabouts perfect just for the fall season the market will like that as well um let, let's <laughs> talk, let's, uh, you, you mentioned other COVID delays like i want to talk about a bit about metallurgy and of course improvements to the scoping study that you put out last november um what, what are some levers you can pull and maybe we can go into detail about, about metallurgy as well real quick 
Yeah, look, the metallurgy of this project was a little tricky to start with. Um, but as we did more and more lock cycle tests, we managed to sort of crack it and, and get, it, as we put out in our scoping study, um, uh, you know, some very saleable products. Um, we're still looking now at variability. Uh, so we're doing running a whole bunch of lock cycle tests based on metal assemblage and grade, looking at those. The mine plan itself isn't really going to alter too much, except we're going to have some additional tons to, to factor into it. Um, but it's the high-grade portion of the deposit, which is really quite interesting from a metallurgical perspective, because it floats in less than 60 seconds. Um, and it means that you're probably not going to need to go through a regrinding cleaner circuits that can go straight to the thickness um, and be packaged for sale. So that's going to have some capex advantages um, from what we assumed in the scoping study. Um, uh, but it also means that some of the lower grade material, uh, you know, we're going to have to clean up quite a lot to get the, the you know, the metal contents to the point that they can be sellable. But the point with metallurgy and polymetallics are notoriously difficult. Uh, is that you've got to invest the money in getting it right. And and that is what we've done. You know, we will have spent, uh, by the time we finish the feasibility study, about a million pounds on metallurgical test work alone. We've done mineralogical domaining. Uh, we've spent a lot of time working it. We now had a dedicated metallurgist on staff. Um, she started with us uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're really starting to sort of work out how this project is going to be run optimally. Um, I don't think there's going to be all that many changes from the scoping study, quite frankly. Um, we didn't have a lot of inferred resource in our scoping study. Um, uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, some of the capex is going to go up in parts, some of it's going to come down in parts. Uh, but I think what we are going to see um, is that, you know, the process that we're running in terms of those concentrate productions uh, is going to make a higher payable product. Um, and we should see some revenue advantages out of that. But it's all, it's all a work in progress. You know, you're right down to the, to the nitty-gritty at the moment on the, on the pre-feasibility study. Um, but I think the trade-off work that Zenco have done is superb. Uh, I think that there isn't going to be a lot of additional work apart from more detailed engineering um, and, uh, and mine design in particular for the definitive feasibility study. Uh, so we're still we're still reasonably confident that we can deliver that in January. But again, uh, I haven't seen that list of recommendations from Zenko on the PFS. That always is the last thing they put in there, um, and we'll we'll have a look at those and see what um, you know what needs to be done. Okay, you, you mentioned a couple of, like key catalysts: PFS, DFS. Um, the timelines are overlapping, obviously, with the mining permits which is quite interesting because mm -hmm. usually you put out the DFS first so you know actually what you got and what you want to permit before you go out permitting, right? So you, are you just checking boxes now? You're, you're, you're permitting based on the scoping study, obviously, I, I'm assuming, right? And, yeah. Um, like, because where I want to go with this is as well, like financing, right? Like the mine permit is so going to be a big part. So financing is going to happen like this fall, even like you're going to have the initial discussions before DFS is published. And you just said timeline January. Yep. So run us through yep, the timeline and what is happening in parallel there. That's like, I want to clear that up a little bit. Okay. So in terms of the permitting in Bosnia, your mine permit will allow you to produce X number of tons. Um, you can reduce that without any additional permitting. Um, and you can increase it by 25% without any additional permitting. 
So that gives us a lot of leeway in terms of the way we're trying to construct the project. We know that we can run the permitting concurrently with the pre-feasibility and, 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 and definitive feasibility. Um, but you're quite right. We are now working on, uh, on project financing models for the banks. Um, we're starting to put that information together. We're doing work on things like how do you perfect security? Um, what are the, uh, you know, what are the, what's the ability to mortgage uh, freehold property? What's the ability to, to you know, provide security, uh, the mineral rights, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that work um, is being done in the background to, to get us to a point where when we know what that optimal um, debt equity structure can look like, we're going to be positioned to execute on the debt part, which is the longest lead time part. The equity part's more interesting. Um, you know, I come from a project financing background and, and, you know, we would say, well, you know, the the, the debt drawdown is conditional upon X million of, of equity funding and, and whatnot. This project is unique in that it's got very, very low royalties. So that gives us an opportunity to look at alternative structures for royalties. Now, the expiration potential here is huge, so I'm never going to give away, a, you know, a, a perpetual royalty on the project <clears throat> or sell it for that matter. Um, you know, the pricing of that royalty would be based on on the on the pre-feasibility and 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 the and the reserves that go into that. And that would cap that value, and I don't want to cap that value. So we are looking at a number of structures to how we might be able to do that. Uh, we're having a number of preliminary discussions with some pretty big groups and banks. Um, <laughs> excuse me, here in the Balkans um, uh, and around the world about what that may look like. Um, but we're not really engaging with anyone just yet. We're saying we need to, we need to get our own model done and, and dusted before we're ready to do that. Well, it sounds interesting. You're bringing up the, the, the royalty model. And uh, we've seen recently Great Bear outsource, or spin out a, a royalty company on their own project. That's something you're considering mm. as well, or is that? Uh, are you more interested in just selling a royalty and just to, to finance it that way, like dilution, even on an equity level at a 460 million market cap? I'm not too worried about personally. Spinning out a royalty company isn't gonna um, isn't gonna help us. We want our equity price to be high enough that our cost of capital for the equity component of the total project finance package um, is low. Um, what we're looking at is the option to potentially use that royalty as an alternative to equity, <laughs> um, uh, but with a few, you know, a few sort of smarts built in that, that doesn't see us dilute too much. Fantastic. Let, let, let's switch over to Twitter. Uh, we've been talking, it's like you have already 22 minutes and I wanted to cap it at 25, but we've been having so we, we got so many questions in. Um, <coughs> let me just refresh here because we've got a couple more in, I think. So... Okay, um, Dan S is asking, uh, huge projects, are you looking at joint ventures with larger companies? Uh, no. Okay. In short, <laughs> uh, we, we've considered it, but no, that's not what we're looking at because this project doesn't require a huge amount of capital. Uh, and I think it's the, the company's more than capable of handling it on its own. Yeah. Okay. Some of the questions we talked about already, like as I said, quite a few questions came in about Milos, uh, his departure. And uh, receiving the exploitation operating permits, then Pete um, Panda is asking drilling update and context for both Kisivak and Rupitsa. Is a, I don't think we've talked about Kisivak, so maybe you can give us some more color there. Kisivak is the technique that's that's being drilled at the moment. There's one rig on okay. site, and they're they're pounding away. 
making making great daily driller punts. Uh, Rupertsa, uh, well, Rupert's a little trickier. Uh, we're drilling. We've got five rigs now, so we've upped the rig count now that the borders are open, and we've got all our all our A team drillers are now back across the border and, and happily tucked up in the hotel in Barish. Um, we are drilling. Uh, in in late last year, we intercepted a, a an unexpected <coughs> zone of mineralisation to the east. Um, we're now drilling two very deep holes there, um, trying to understand what's going on there and seeing whether that mineralisation is an offset. Um, we've done a lot of work on remapping all the faults in the system. Um, and what we now see is that, you know, this is one continuous all body with these faults still running right through the guts of it, um, but offsetting it a little bit lower on, on, on the other side of the fault, on the eastern side of the fault in particular. Um, and so now what we're doing is looking, we've got a third fault to the east that we've identified, and now we're looking for that mineralisation at depth on the eastern side. We're also drilling on the south where we're continuing to to extend the resource, and we've put out a number of uh, releases about that. Um, but but we've also started drilling to far to the south of Rapitza at a, an area called Bodovica, um, where we have a number of historic drill holes. We've got geophysics and we've got geochemistry um, and we've got some anecdotal um, information from people who who constructed the adits and the trenches down there. Uh, so we're quite excited about that. The drill bit will tell us whether we should be excited or not, um, but we have started drilling there and we're looking forward to seeing what we see. Okay. Um, have you mentioned how many drill rigs you got on site or on the project in total? Five, Five at the moment, uh, hoping to bring a sixth in reasonably soon. Perfect. That ties into a question by God Emperor. Ah, love that name. Um, let me just open a couple more questions. And we had a few more. Uh, Dan Earl is asking, uh, what's the timeline for drilling on Sastavici? And uh, he wants to see a hole through that beautiful, massive sulfide vein that he saw in the old open pit wall. Uh, yeah, look, I think our, our priority is confirmation. Uh, so we'll complete that program. Uh, I think at the current rate that that Fabian and his team are doing that drill program, you know, if that's that's only weeks away, not months. Uh, and then we're going to have a look at that data and decide whether we continue to step out. Um, I think there is, a, you know, probably a pretty good rationale for bringing in a second or third rig and putting it at Sestachi because, uh, like Dan, uh, Sestachi is alluring absolutely alluring and you know the, the the funny thing about yugoslavia or the former yugoslavia is cement was cheap labor was cheap but drilling was really expensive so they never drilled deeper than about 120 meters uh and you know from what i'm seeing uh there's more mineralization below that okay fantastic uh maybe just one last question off twitter because we covered most of them as uh, the status of the potential additional land acquisitions around rupitsa uh, look, I think we're, we have been through a pretty lengthy process with that. Obviously, the fees were very high. We needed to go through a, a process of, of lowering the fees. That's occurred. Um, the, the process is a public invitation, um, but under the mining code in the cantonal mining law, um, only if it's contiguous to an existing mining concession, then only the existing concessionaire can apply. Uh, we are hopeful that that public invitation will be coming out imminently, um, very imminently, uh, and then there's about a six-week process to to uh, to lock all that up. 
Okay, perfect. Um, I just want to give you to, to sort of wrap this up an opportunity to talk about Newsflow that's coming up. Obviously, you're super active exploring. Um, I'm sure drill results are pending. Um, but just to remind us of the key catalysts that are coming up in the next, let's say, six weeks to six months. Oh, look, I think you'll see some permitting announcements um, uh, that will be quite significant. Uh, we'll obviously close the Tethian deal. Um, there'll be uh, a lot of drilling results coming out on Tethian um, over the remainder of the year. Um, uh, and uh, and we're going to continue to be drilling at, at uh, Botovica. Uh, we've, we're highlighting new targets on our concession all the time through survey work, through LIDAR analysis, um, uh, old workings that we need to go and have a scratch around on. <laughs> Um, but we've also got a number of priority targets which we like to bring under new concessions um, nearby, so outside of our existing concessions and the expanded concession that we are, uh, are applying for, um, you know, in, in other parts of Bosnia that we think are really interesting as well. And we've got a good team that are now looking at those. Again, uh, all uh, all Bosnian geologists who are, you know, come out of retirement basically to help us. Fantastic. Paul, thank you so much for coming on, making episode 50 a special one. Really appreciate it. Um, this was a perfect showcase for, for what the SF Live format is intended to be. Lots of questions, very interactive. Uh, some tougher questions for Paul as well. It was great. Thanks for answering all of them, Paul. Um, everybody, thanks for your questions. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. This was episode 50 with Paul Cronin, Adriatic Metals. Um, stay tuned. We're going to upload this to YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, Instagram, and all the other channels. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you.